0: Open us in prayer, Father. Thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity, uh, God, just to uh, just to dive back into your Word, to hang out with these guys, to have a little fun. And um, uh, now, God, just challenge us and encourage us to move beyond uh, where we are in our walk to where you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. All right, as we pick up and as we look, what, what we talked about last week is is what does it take? Paul talks in 1 Timothy chapter two, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 13, Paul talks about what it means to be built to last, to have a legacy that lasts. And so we talked about that last week. Is As you as we're studying God's Word, we want to pay, pay close attention to our commands, to the promises, to the verbs as you're looking, what are the doing things. Uh, and then we're going to look at this passage from that and then also look at the promises. So commands and promises, the verbs, the if-then statements. And so here's what it said. We read this last week, and we m- moved our way through about half of it. He says, "'You then, my son, be strong in the grace uh, that is Christ Jesus.'" And the things that you have heard from me say to them in the presence of many witnesses and entrust them to reliable people who will also be qualified to then teach others. He says, join me in suffering like a good soldier for Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled up entangled up in civilian affairs, but rather tries, listen to this, to please his commanding officer. He says, similarly, Anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. He says, the hardworking farmer, take him, should be the first to receive his share of the crops. He says, reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into ultimately all of this. And when, when we think about that word insight, what is God saying to us? What is God saying to us about those three ideas? Then he says, remember Christ Jesus was raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, which is the good news, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained uh, like a criminal. He says, but God's word is never changed. God's word is never chained. He says, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And then he says in verse 11, Here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. And if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot Disown himself. Now, if you remember last week, if you weren't here last week, what we talked about as those first idea was, where do we find our strength? And we saw that in verse 1, uh, where he says, "Youth, then, my son, be strong in the grace of Christ Jesus. And, and the idea of being strong there is passive, is that we receive strength from Christ, from the Spirit, from His Word, and that's where we gain our strength. So, if you ever find yourself spiritually exhausted, worn out, physically exhausted, we need to be around other men. That give us strength, men of the faith. Uh, we need to be in worship that gives us strength to move on and move beyond. We need to dive into our word. We need to spend time in prayer. We need to do all of those things. A lot of times what we do when we find ourselves tired and weak, we isolate ourselves. When we struggle a little bit, uh, we isolate ourselves. We want to stay connected. Then the second thing we talked about is that we need to be be intentional about multiplying our influence and we see that in verse 2 he says and the things that you have heard from me then say them in the presence of many witnesses and entrust them to reliable people who will also be qualified then to teach others and that's part of the multiplying impact that we want to have as a church we always want to raise up young guys uh, and, and gals uh, that we invest into their lives then ultimately they go take the gospel beyond and beyond and beyond and beyond and that's what we always want to do we want to multiply our impact. Uh, We don't always uh, want to just hold the truth to ourselves. We want to share it for the coming generations. Uh, And then thirdly, we looked at this week, we have to be willing to pay the price. We have to be willing to pay the price. And he gave us three ideas. He said a soldier, he says, we got to be like a good soldier who does what? Doesn't get caught up in civilian affairs, but looks to please his commanding officer, who's our commanding officer, ultimately God, God in Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And guys, how much have you pleased uh, your commanding officer since we talked last week? Since we talked about being a good soldier, how have you pleased your commanding officer? Then the second metaphor he uses is of an athlete. He says an athlete competes, but he has to compete according to the rules if you're going to get, the, get to win the prize. Now, let me ask you a question. Um, what are the rules that should govern our lives? Are there things that you are doing that you know are truly outside the rules of being salt and light, being a godly witness, being a Christ-like witness to in your family, uh, at the office, at church, and in your community, he says, man, guys, if we want the prize, we have to compete within the rules. Then he gives us a third metaphor. What is that? Uh, of, a, of a good farmer. What do we know about a farmer? On a day like today when it's cold and a little wet, they got things to do, right? They might go into the barn and fix the tractor, but they've got to be doing something every day. So for us, we if we want to reap, and notice what he says, hey, the farmer is worthy of, his do- of the first of the crops, that we have to be willing to plant and, and, and take care of and, and, and plow and weed and do all of those things, but we know there's ultimately a reward. And so he gives us three illustrations, and all three of those are hard. Let me tell you what, it, it, I've never been one, but I assume it's pretty hard being a farmer. I'm not talking about a corporate farmer. I'm talking about a farmer. I mean, where you are tilling the field, you're planting the seed, Um, You're praying for rain at certain times. You want the rain to happen at the right time, not at the wrong time. All of a sudden, you get a harvest out there. It rains, destroys your crops. All of those things could happen. A good soldier, what is a good soldier training for? They're, They're training for the fight. They're training for the battle. They don't get caught up in civilian affairs. They have to be ready to fight. An athlete. You have to know the rules. And so I want to encourage us, man, be like a strong soldier, be like an athlete, and be like a farmer. And so we talked about that last week, and here's where that's where we stop. So here we want to pick up really uh, reading in verse 10, and I want to talk about this idea. If we're going to build a life uh, that lasts, we have to get our strength from Christ and His Word. We have to compete like a soldier, like a farmer, and like a good athlete. And here's the next thought I want us to hear, is we have to center our lives right around Jesus. We have to make Jesus the focus of everything that we do. And you say, Pastor, where do you get this? Right there in verse 8, 9, and 10. Notice what Paul says. He says, remember Jesus Christ. In everything that we do, if you are acting like a good soldier, don't forget to remember Christ. He is our commanding officer. If you are acting like a good athlete, don't forget that you are competing for Christ. If you are acting like a farmer, what are you doing? You are planting and harvesting for Christ. So he says, remember Christ Jesus. He was raised from the dead, descendant of David. And he goes, this is my gospel. Ultimately, what is the gospel? I mean, it's about Christ, right? It's, it's interesting uh, to me, and I want to encourage you with this. As you think back of all of your conversations about the church, our church, a previous church, anything in church, how much of your conversation has to do with Jesus Christ? Now, let me, let me you say, what do you mean? Well, that's what we're all about as a church. Have you ever complained about your church not sharing Jesus enough? Ha, most of the time we don't. What do we complain about? I didn't like the music. I didn't like this. Man, they're always talking about that. Have you ever complained? You know what our church really needs? It, our church doesn't need to get distracted by music or ministry or this or that. We need to talk about Jesus, right? And so we always have to remember, man, in your conversation, uh, especially as we get more mature, and, and here's what I've known, and I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to get it, guys, um, is uh, the older we get, the less we like new music. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Why? We just don't. We don't like new music. No, I didn't get that when I was younger. But now I've come to realize the 80s had the best rock and roll by far. Okay, and they in every decade since they've tried to come out with new stuff, and it's just worse and worse and worse. How many of you would agree with that? How many of you think it was the fifties? Doug, is fifties your best favorite rock and roll. Uh, I know because you were out of out of you had you'd served World War One and two. And so uh, uh, that's, you know, the the reality of it is, but what I can tell you, I've never had someone, I can tell you, I've been a pastor 23 and a half years. I've never had anyone walk into my office um, and say, you know what, pastor, really the big problem with this church, we talk about Jesus too much. I've never had it once. Almost every week, at least one person will take one of the prayer request cards out of out of the back of the pew or out of the back of the thing and they will complain about something and then then gutlessly not sign it. Gutlessly not sign it. Take take what should be a prayer request. Complain about something, Brian. Uh I, I know I know your handwriting, buddy. Uh so you know what I'm saying? And and I've never, I've never, ever, ever, Justin, can you remember one? Because a lot of time, and I will tell you, I don't get them all. These guys protect me from them. There are a lot of times that that they will just get them and say, "Don't even show that to the pastor. He'll be he'll take it out on us the rest of the week." And uh, so they're actually saving. They're covering their own own rear is what they're doing. But I've never had anyone ever say, "You know what, Pastor? I'm really concerned that we we don't share Jesus enough as a church as a people." And so I want to encourage you, man, as we get more spiritually, and I, w- I will just tell you in, in my mind, music is not important to me anymore. The question for me is are we reaching someone else? Do, do we see in, 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 in the lives of every broken man and every broken woman and every broken relationship and every broken student and every broken kid, do we see someone that needs Christ? That's centering our thoughts and our focus and our mind on Jesus. So I want to encourage this. And why is that so important? Because ultimately, that is the only good news. Hey, they're in the middle of a recount, right, in Florida. At the end of the day, do you think whatever happens in that recount is going to impact a lot? Right now, no, because I think I think the Republicans have the Senate, Democrats have the House. It might make a difference in how large the majority is, but what it, at the end of the day, it's not going to make a whole lot of difference. what What makes a real difference in someone's life? And by the way, as soon as they finish that recount, you know what started right? The presidential election. Yeah. That's what that's what all about the next next twelve months. It's 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 who's going to be posturing to be uh, to run against Trump, right? That's what it's going to all be about. But what is going to ultimately matter? It's the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why I said Paul says this is my gospel. What is my gospel? That we were dead in our trespasses and sin, and separated from God. But because of God's great love for us, He sent His Son Jesus Christ who was nailed to the cross, delivered by the hands of sinful men, buried in the tomb, rose again the third day, that whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Man, guys, that's what we are about as a church. And if we are going to build and be a church that ministers and a church that builds a legacy that lasts, it has to be about Jesus. We can have the greatest children program in all North Dallas, but if we never share the gospel in this room and in the rooms we're about to finish, and all those kids go to hell, it doesn't matter, right? We can have the greatest student ministry in all of North Dallas, and we can have volleyball courts, and we can play, and we can have fun, we can do all of these things, we can go to camp. But if we don't share Jesus and they all go to hell, it hasn't mattered. And that's where we have to make sure, guys. When we are looking at, when you are looking at the church, especially as you as you mature. Make it less and less about you and more and more about Christ and others. The reality of it is, how many of you are grandparents in here? Okay. You need to come to church with that same mindset. You mean what? Christmas is no longer about you, boys. Right? How many of you understand what I'm talking about? See, when you come to church, when you have captured what it truly means to be a spiritual grandfather in a church... You understand that you are here for church, and it ain't about you. Because you grandparent, grandparents, can you wait for Christmas morning or Christmas at your house with your grandkids? No. And, 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 it, and, the, and the reason you can't wait is because they're really going to get you something nice, Right? They're going to come there and it's, they're going to bring you food and they're going to do. What is it? It's all about seeing a smile on their face. Guys, you want, you want to change this community? Be spiritual grandfathers that walk in and when you see a child who's not your physical grandchild, Walking through the halls of the church with a smile on their face and they're carrying something they had drawn uh, about Jesus or the cross or something like that, put the same smile on your face that you'll have come Christmas morning with your grandkids. Then you'll learn to love church. And if you see our teens over there and you are here, they're, they're exploding, which they are, our student ministry is, is doing a bang-up job, guess what? Say, you know, that ain't my music, but they're happy. They're happy, and we're reaching more of them. And so make it about Jesus, and now continue to read on. Notice what else says. He says, this is my gospel, that's the good news, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, uh, you heard me talk about uh, there's more persecution. We don't realize it. we live in a blessed country. A lot of a lot of things I don't like about this country when it comes to, uh, you know, how they treat bakers and florists. And let me tell you what, it's getting more and more that way. Let me tell you what, the day is coming in this uh, uh, in this country uh, when it's not going to be as friendly to the faith uh, as it is today. Now, I do believe it's absolutely our job. Uh, uh, to to fend that off as long as possible uh, through the electorate and through voting and through d- running the right candidates. I, I absolutely believe when we have an opportunity to make an impact, we should make an impact. We should do good as long as we can. Then when we can't anymore and it's illegal, we keep doing good, right? That's exactly what we should be. But notice what he says. I'm in change for the gospel. There is There are more people right now this year, than ever before in the history of the world that will be persecuted and probably martyred for their faith than ever before. You heard me share some of those places and and some of the places you get you've got uh, you know you've got North Korea and uh, you've got Pakistan and, and India is coming up there and it's it used to be used to be radical Islam. Now radical Hinduism is is showing up in places. And man, let me tell you what, Reuben David will be here teaching this Sunday for our gift weekend. And he's got a ministry that we're a part of. You want to hear Reuben David and the, he goes back into India. And let me tell you what, the, the, the intensity and the uh, veracity at which they're pushing back uh, is, is now getting, getting significant. And so we're going to pray for him. I want to encourage you to heal for him. But I, I also want us to be encouraged to pray for those who are like Paul because there are a lot of Pauls around the world that are suffering for the gospel's sake. And he says, I'm chained. Then notice what he says. He says, but God's word is never chained. Guys, God's word is never chained. Unless you chain it. God's word never returns void when we share it. But if we don't share it, it doesn't impact others. Man, and that's why every Sunday and every week I stand up and I teach the word of God as best I can. Why? Because I don't have anything that, that I can say that really matters, but I know God's word does. And so that's why I want to encourage you, man, to be in a reading program, a Bible reading program, somehow, someway, every day, whatever it is. Listen to a podcast. Do something. Then notice God's Word has never changed. He says, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, for those who are chosen, for those who want to hear the, are going to hear the gospel, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus, listen to this, with eternal glory. Paul realized that the, that the present circumstances he found himself would no longer compare to the eternal glory that ultimately we will have. And the same thing with you. Whatever, whatever you give to the church, it will be far outweighed by the eternal weight of glory that you'll receive someday. However much energy or sweat equity you put into serving the church, it will be far outweighed by the eternal glory. I will promise you... Everyone in this room, regardless of what you've done for God, for Christ, for the church, for missions, for whatever, when you come to your season for glory, every one of us in this room is going to be embarrassed by how how little we put in. I'm going to say it again. Regardless of how much you've served and worked and given and put sweat equity into your church, every one of us, when we get to heaven, are going to be embarrassed about how much God did for us compared to how much we did for him. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And and that's that's one of those things that ought to be a challenge to us. Now, not to earn our salvation. Remember, the gospel is good news that we can earn. It's a gift. Now, I also believe that God is going to um, let us see a glimpse of how far we fell short, and he's going to wipe it away with his grace. But guys, think about it. If you know we we hear the songs we you know we can talk and we can think about the streets of gold and the pearly gates and all of those things and I just hope a couple of y'all get close, Uh, but the reality is, guys, the eternal glory this word he used here eternal is unfathomable. We will never ever ever get it. We will spend eternity in awe of the weight of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ for eternity. And that ought to compel us to say, I am going to be a good soldier. I am going to be a great athlete, spiritually speaking. And I am going to be a good farmer. And so we want to what? We want to make sure that as we journey forward, man, that we center our lives around Jesus. When we center our lives around Jesus, we will never be a failure. Here's number five. And you ready? This is how to have a lasting legacy. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. Guys, don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Don't throw in the towel and say, hey, it's time for someone else. Much as we pick on Doug and his other brother, Doug, you know, I love that about Doug. He's not throwing in the towel. How old are you, Doug? How old are you? About 79. 79. Who in here is older than 79? Who in here is older than 79? 79. All right. Who who in here wants to admit to being close to 79? How old are you, Ron? 72. 72. Other Doug? 73. 73. All right. then it's seven. Thanks for being a great example to us, guys. Thanks for being a great example to us. And, uh, man, that's where we want to be. And, and at 80 and 85, whatever God gives you, don't ever give up. You say, where do you see this? And remember, I told you last week as we started, I said, hey, when you're looking... When you're looking at God's word, pay close attention to commands, pay to- close attention to verbs, pay close attention to promises, and pay close attention to conditional statements. And a conditional statement is if you will, then God will. So let's look at these last couple of sets, these conditional statements. Notice what he says as we pick it up reading in um, verse 11, he says, here is a trustworthy saying. By the way, here's what that means, is is that these were probably words that were first spoken by Jesus that were recited and quoted throughout the churches. Kind of like you've heard it said, right? You know, we all know this, right? We all know, you've heard it said, we've talked about this all the time. He's saying it. Here's a couple trustworthy statements, you ready? He says, if we died with him, then we will also live with him. That's the if if then. If we endure, then we will also reign with him. If we disown him, and I'm going to get back to that here in a second, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He goes, for what? for he cannot can, uh, basically disown himself. Now, you might say, Pastor, what is the difference between if we disown him, he will disown us? That seems like someone's going to lose their salvation. But then he turns right around and says, if we are faithless, he will remain faithful. So that looks like we're going to say... Does that seem kind of, kind of confusing to you guys? Well, we're going to get there. Hang on. But let's walk through these conditional statements one at a time. Uh, let's, let's take the first one. Notice the first conditional. He says, if we died with him, we will also live with him. This goes all the way back to when we first responded to the gospel. If we died with him, we will also live with him. What is What is the visual imagery, Taco Truck Pete, visual imagery, that talks about us dying with him and being raised to walk in the newness of life? Huh? Baptism, Baptism. exactly. And what is he saying? Why are we baptized? Why should we be baptized after after we accept Christ? It reminds us of this conditional statement. Man, he says what? He says, if we die with him, we'll also live with him. So regardless of whatever age, whether it's, whether it's 80, 90, 100, 140, whenever you die with him, whether you die because of some crazy accident that happens, whether you die because, uh, uh, man, you get cancer or you get sick or whatever it is, you get in a car wreck, or whether you live to a wonderful age where everybody can slowly say goodbye to you as you die. Regardless, if you die with Christ, you will also live with him. The vi- visual imagery is the death of Burial and resurrection and baptism. So, guys, we, we never give up. Why do we not give up? See, Paul's in change here, right? He's saying, why do I endure it? Because, first of all, I know the more I write the word of God, it'll never return void. But secondly, he says, listen, I'm willing to endure it until I die because I have the wonderful thought and knowledge of knowing even when I die, that's when I live. Because the truth is, guys, these bodies were not built for eternity. Our spirit is. But our spirit is really built for eternity with God. And so think about that. If you die with him, you will also live with him. Here's a second conditional statement. Notice what it says. He says, if we endure... We will also reign with him that endure is the same word translated back up in 10 uh, that uh, talks about uh, Paul's attitude towards suffering. He says, I endure it for the good of the gospel. Man, are, are there things that you and I need to endure for the sake of the gospel? Are there things that you and I just need to put up with, to work hard? Now, the granted, uh, no one in here, not, not to my knowledge, has anyone in this room uh Ever been in prison? I want to ask if you've ever been in prison, like overnight for a short sleepover, um, for the gospel. Has anyone in here ever been put in prison for the gospel? And probably you never will. You know, unless unless you go on a mission trip where you're sneaking Bibles into China or North Korea or something like that, then you could surely. And that might be your calling someday. And I would say, man, we'll pray for you. You go. Let's do it. But notice what he says. He says, I'm willing to endure it for the sake of the gospel. And I love the beauty of what he says. He says, if we are willing to endure, then we will also reign with him. What he's saying, if you endure hardship where you are put flat on your face, you will reign with him. So don't ever give up. Man, when things get hard, if you ever get persecuted, you know of someone getting persecuted, if you get mocked, if there ever comes a day in your office, and let me tell you what, it is moving that way more and more and more. Let me tell you what, in some of the big corporations and big institutions, I will guarantee you there's a vein rolling through HR departments right now as they have been taught in educational institutions right now that Christians are someday going to be marked as these these things believe this is wrong and that is wrong and this is wrong and that is wrong, and what's going to happen someday, and it may not be you guys, but it might be that grandkid you love gets passed over for one position after another after another because they're strong in their faith. He says, hey, if you endure, we will reign. He's saying if you don't get crowned king here on this earth, you will someday. Then look at the, so don't give up. Look at the third conditional statement. Notice what he says. He says, if we disown him, he will also disown us. Now, I want you to know that's a difficult statement, that, uh, that you have a tendency to think, well, they're talking about true Christians. You're really not. He's not talking about a cr- true Christian there. He's talking about someone that may have professed faith in Jesus Christ, might have said, hey, hey, I'm a Jesus follower, okay, but at some point, they turned around and they disowned Christ. And you know what? I'm, I'm not following that. I'm, gonna, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that. And what he says, he says, if you disown me, I'll disown you. All right? If you disown me, I'll disown you. So here, here's the point. He's talking about people, and there are some that from time to time talk about being in the faith, but ultimately are not in the faith. Let me give you a couple of examples. If you want to just write this note down in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. He said, They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, this is 1 John 2, 19, For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going out showed that they never really belonged to us. What is he saying? He's saying, for a while, these folks looked like Christians, right? They, they, they were in church, they were in your life group, they were in the faith, they were this and that, now all of a sudden you look out and they are saying no to Jesus and no to Christ and no to the church and no to this. What is? It? Did they lose salvation? No, they just revealed they never had it. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? He's saying if they disown us, it simply says that they are demonstrating they never belong to us. I love another passage, Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 to 24. Um, Jesus is, is there in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform miracles? He goes, then I will tell them plainly. I love that. Jesus says, they'll just kind of look them in the eye. And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. So there are those that could be a hanger-on for a season. But they walk away, and they disown Christ. And guess what he says? Hey, listen, you disown me, I'll disown you. That's an if-then statement. So the challenge is, guys, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy that disowns Christ. Now, I love the way Paul put these two conditional statements together. Because notice the next one that he says. He says, if we are faithless... He remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. The beauty of putting those two together is to compare the realities of life. That there are times and seasons in the life of the believer that we are faithless. There are times and seasons in the life of the believers, guys, for you and for me, that we can look a lot like the world. Do you understand what I'm saying? And he says, when we are faithless in those seasons, he remains faithful. Look around this room. Doug, you might have been. Let me ask you a question. Have you always been this faithful to God that you are right now? Have you always through all your life? Yeah. Me either. Me either. My guess is I can look across the room and everybody can think of a season when we weren't very faithful to God. And if you know someone that's like that right now, just keep praying for them, invite them back, encourage them. Don't throw stones at them, just invite them back. Now, if they're truly lost and they disown Christ, He'll disown them back. But if they're just faithless for a season... God will be faithful because God can't disown himself. See, the beautiful thing about us is when we trust Christ as Savior and Lord, we become part of the body of Christ. He grafts us in. He places us in, makes us a part of it. So, guys, in those seasons of faithlessness that you might have, if you have a true relationship with God through Jesus Christ, he will never be faithless. I love that. Why is that? Because he cannot disown himself most beautiful illustration of this very thing is found in Luke chapter 15. It's the story of the prodigal son, right? Remember the son went to his dad and said, Hey, Dad, I know you're not dead yet, dead yet but can you, can you go ahead and give me my inheritance? Can you imagine how much it must have broken his dad's heart? But his dad did it because he loved his son. His son went out and frittered it away and hung out in Vegas and wherever else and spent all of his money and ended up eating pig slop. Let me ask you a question. When that that son had frittered everything he had, he had disobeyed his dad, he had done everything, he was eating pig slop, was he still his dad's son? See, that's the relationship. Now, his fellowship with his father wasn't that good right then, was it? Because he was disobedient and he was finding his own personal sinful discipline. I mean, he was disobedient. So his fellowship with the, with the Father. There are times, just like that prodigal son, guys, that our fellowship with the Father cannot be as sweet as it should be because of the way we live. But the relationship never changes. That's not because of how awesome we are. That's because of how awesome he is. Because when we are faithless, he's still faithful. For he cannot disown himself. So as you look around the room, guys, if someone someday in the future walks away from the faith, now listen, it's not our job to judge whether they're a prodigal who are going to come home or whether they're a faithless one who is disowning Christ and will never come home. That's not our job to judge. Our job is to lay out the red carpet of the gospel of Jesus Christ and preach Jesus' uh, forgiveness of all the sins, and then they make their own choice. But if you ever go through a season of faithlessness, if you ever, and I had this conversation with a guy, if you ever drift back off into that addiction that used to take you away, whether it was alcohol or something, don't ever forget, you might be faithless, but God never will. Let's pray. Father, my prayer for these guys in here today is that they would take these conditional statements. They would take these three analogies of a good soldier, of a, uh, of a good fr- farmer who works hard, uh, of, uh, of an athlete that competes by the rules, and that we would challenge ourselves to move beyond where we are to where you want us to be. God, thank you so much for your love and your word and the challenge that you laid before us. Let us be faithful today as we keep Jesus as the center of our message. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you guys.